Get Advisor Fit with Olivia Looper, a series of interviews with financial consultants and industry experts helping financial advisors strategize, market, and grow their business using core fitness values and analogies. Do something today that your future self will thank you for with Get Advisor Fit. Here's your host, Olivia Looper. Hey guys, thanks for joining us back at Get Advisor Fit. Today I'm here with Robert Isbitz. Him and I, we have a lot in common. So he has a really interesting story that I want him to share with you guys, not only because he is an RAA, uh, retired RAA, mm-hmm. but still working um, on his new business ventures. So he's been where you've been. And I mean, we're all going to retire one day. So what are you going to do with your life? And we have Rob here to tell us how it's going. Um, we both operated businesses with our spouse, which is something that we touched uh touched base on like early on in our relationship Ooh, yes. we're and both survived and so we're surviving so far i promise he's alive over there somewhere <laughs> <laughs> and um, i promise that my wife and i who shared this very room when we first started our own advisory firm after working for other folks uh we had to go we had three kids they're all uh, out now we just became empty nesters and she had her choice of three kids' bedrooms. And I think she took the furthest one because we both talked really loudly on the phone. And yeah. there's no way we could have shared an office any longer. So there you go. What you and your husband do is, is, is pretty awesome. Uh, and, and you, you know, you, you, uh, you not only make it work, but uh, you, you sort of integrated your roles uh, with each other uh, for the good of the business. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's interesting, and I think that you can relate to this too because um, uh, once you become invested, like in the same common goal, it's really fun to like share those wins with each other. Like when you make strides in the business, or you know, you get that next client, or you're putting some more infrastructure in place. Like it just it adds something to the relationship that you know you otherwise don't have when you're working two separate jobs and you can't really relate to to the things that are going on there so it opens opens their eyes doesn't it right it opens your eyes to because i I think in this industry which i've been in for 36 years now i think what people don't understand maybe is that there is a fine line between being in this business for work and it becoming a hobby and whether it's someone like me that investing is not just my life's work and I've created a lot of intellectual property around it because I just is what I love to do. And, uh, and I like to do it in a way now that can help other people who've kind of been where I've been, namely the you know, young, uh, smaller independent advisor who, who wants to grow, but it doesn't have to be investment for If you're a planner, I mean, I know so many financial planners that, it's like, what do you do in your spare time? Think about financial planning, you know, while I'm uh, playing basketball or tennis or fishing or uh, reading a book yeah. about financial planning, <laughs> yeah. you know, right? It's that kind of industry where it's like, uh, maybe we need to come up with a new, uh, a new word. I like to do this. Maybe it's like a wobby. It's, a, it's half work and half hobby. <laughs> a work hobby, a wobby. A wobby. Oh Let's get, right like away, get wobby.com. Is it available? I know you and your, your domain. You better get on that one. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, no, I know. I feel like the same way. Um, half the time, the things that people are like, oh, you're on the phone all the time. I'm like, 
You don't understand. Half the time I'm reading things for work, doing things for work, and not like necessarily the work part, but just learning more, you know, reading marketing articles, reading things about that are going on in the financial services industry. It's, um, it's and, and I think that's part of, you know, been writing a lot about the these generational differences, right? And uh, between, you know, we we'll go back to like, start with baby boomers and then, you know, through the generations, all the way down to, I learned yesterday about generation alpha, like six-year-olds who are, you know, probably more tech savvy than I am. But um, one of these big differences is, you know, we went from favoring like a work-life balance that everybody used to talk about and things like that. And now with it's more so with the work from home situations, it's, the lines are so much more blurred. And I think that if you're, yes. if you're passionate about what you're doing, that it doesn't matter because that's what you're going to be interested in doing anyways. Well, at and the end of the day, fun. I mean, advisors talk about this a lot. Okay. What do you want to deliver for your clients? Okay. And I see your coffee and raise your coffee. Um, I'm, a I'm a beverage girl. I've, I've got a couple going over here. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, okay. So uh, yeah, I'm in on that too. So <laughs> see that we're both writers, you know, where we both uh, live in Florida, uh, you know, one of, version of myself. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, minus, minus uh, uh, a lot of years and, uh, or I should say plus a lot of years for me uh, and minus a lot of muscle tone. Um, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it's like, it's, it's, it's such a thrill to be uh, interviewed by somebody who I know it could beat me in an arm wrestle like that. But then again, that's every day of my life. And that's everybody who I meet. Like I said, I'm like the 195 pound weakling, you know, uh, even after six months of PT, but I have to say it's helping and it feels great. And it reminds me all the time of like, get advisor fit. You know, yeah, it uh, I love it. So, see, I love it. <laughs> uh, I also I, I can also see that we're uh, both uh, and, and for people listening to this on the podcast. Uh, so Olivia has over her left shoulder, a right handed baseball glove. Uh, and uh, uh, I uh, have over uh, my right shoulder, uh, my late father who taught me to chart stocks when I was 16 years old, that was only 41 years ago, but he also taught me about baseball, uh, and, uh, become, uh, I'm not one of these baseball savants, but, uh, it's interesting, uh, just some of the oddball facts that you remember growing up and you were just talking about the generations, you know, my, uh, uh my brother lives in Atlanta. Uh, he was down uh, uh, for a weekend recently. We said, you know, let's go through the remaining baseball cards we have. And let's, because they actually have value. We preserve them and the whole thing. And it's amazing now in the era of, of NFTs. Okay. Yes. All right. I was like, wait a minute. What do you, what do you mean that my 1972 Hank Aaron actually is worth it? Is worth that much, you know? So all of a sudden we're going through it and I was thinking, wow, you know, if, if you're an advisor and you, uh, and I'm sure this will hit our YouTube channel, Sun Garden Investment Publishing, at some point we'll, we'll do something where I'll say, okay, do you know this baseball player? Uh, if you do, you're, you know, you're probably uh, uh, you know, a greatest generation. Do you know this baseball player? Well, then you're probably a boomer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, sports, work, hobby 
it's all about ultimately what I think the advisor's clients want. They want happiness. Yeah. And if you can deliver, and it's not just happiness, they want happiness, they want contentment, and they want comfort. And I translated that a long time ago into an investment discipline. And it all starts with three letters, A, B, L, avoid big loss. Yeah. Oh, well, that's easy. I mean, that's easy to say, but, but. Yeah. Uh, very difficult to pull off. And, uh, you know, I, a lot of it came from, I mean, look, you know, the, the, the quick background on me, I mentioned my, my, my dad taught me to chart stocks when I was 16. So 41 years ago, uh, I entered the business in 1986, got out of college, grew up in the New York area. By the way, have we ever had the conversation about why we call the business Sun Garden? No, I just assumed it's see if you can fig- see if you or your listeners can figure it out. Okay, we'll give them a, we'll give them a second to figure it out. So uh, I grew up in uh, northern New Jersey near Manhattan. Went to school in Albany, New York. Uh, Start on Wall Street in 1986, World Trade Center. Uh, working for Japanese Bank as kind of their administrative assistant, investment researcher, etc. Going through stacks and stacks of investment research from the Wall Street firms. At the time, Japan was booming their economy and everybody wanted those, they, they wanted the Japanese banks as their clients. So we were the target of every broker. Uh, of course, the year after was 1987. And so I went through the crash and that taught me a little bit. I remember that morning, you know, like it was yesterday. Uh, and then since then I've been through four other bear markets and uh, you know, as my career went on, became a partner of a firm. We, mo- we moved down here in 97. So we've been down here now 20, 25 years. So we moved from New Jersey to South Florida near uh, Fort Lauderdale and uh, raised the kids and the whole thing. But along the way, uh, I experienced so many bear markets uh, and flat markets where it was very difficult to make money in a traditional portfolio. And then I started to realize that the industry, and if you're somebody listening to this and you come from a brokerage firm or you come from just some big financial planning company where they, as I like to say, punted on the investment management. You know, one of my favorite sayings is, uh, and I'll keep it clean for the purposes of this family show, uh, that you know, if you have a great financial plan and you have a blank uh, portfolio, okay, you're not, the plan doesn't matter. If you, if, if the markets or your lack of attention to how markets work and especially how they work today, if you screw that up as an advisor, guess what? Your clients are going to forget what a great job you did on the financial plan. And they're probably going to forget at least momentarily what a great person and caring advisor you are. And yeah. to me, it's, it's actually, it's part of fiduciary responsibility to not punt away the investment management. And so as my career went on, you know, through being a partner of a firm, being you know, briefly a, a CIO of a very large firm and starting my own firm with my wife in this room, uh, and then growing it for 10 years, we started 40 million, we're up to about 80 million. 
And I decided about two years ago, okay, it's time to close the advisory chapter because I'm not a CFP, I'm an investment manager. I, basically, I'm a, I'm a portfolio manager and investment strategist, and I was in an advisor's body. And I yeah. decided, sort of like uh, the old movie Ghost, you know, I had to get out of the body, okay? And I had to start to do my thing. Um, I decided to retire um, uh, when we sold the practice. Um, and then literally three hours later, I said, no blank and way. Okay. I'm not retired. I mean, you know, I, I know enough about managing money that I could manage my own money. And, you know, I, I, I feel you know, pretty comfortable. I could, I could do that, but it's not what I'm about. I mean, you know, how, how can I, what do they say? Leave the world better than you found it. Okay. Yeah. I've written a couple of books and you know, hundreds of articles or write for Forbes, write for us news write our own, you know, thing called Rob Rants at, at you know, Sun Garden. But, um, you know, we took my, my team and I, you know, my team is my, is my wife and, 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 you know, an incredible young uh, professional by the name of Samita. Um, and we took the better part of a year after the practice sale, okay, uh, to, and I still manage money, you know, for the, for the guy that, that bought the practice uh, for, and I will, I think for a long time. Um, but, uh, but it's, we, we leaped out of the advisory business, dropped our licenses. So I'm not a 65. So I'm not like looking for clients. Okay. Yes. Which makes me a complete non-competitor, which is I think nice for the advisor. And we just looked around for a year tried a few things online, started doing a little social media. I'm no stranger to writing, obviously. You know, you and I talked a couple of times during, during that journey to figure out, okay, does retail care about what Rob knows and where he's been? A little, but you know who really seems to care? And it was obvious just from who follows us, who contacts us, and, um, uh, and a nice uh, gig we have right now with a, with a, a pretty amazing company called Active, formerly Strategy Marketplace, uh, which is a um, rapidly growing fintech. It's a fintech and a robo and a tamp in one, which is another way of saying if you're a, um, let's say, advisor, independent advisor, or you want to be an independent advisor, you really want to be an entrepreneur, but you want to have a lot of the other stuff taken care of, and you want to have access to managers that will help distinguish your practice. I'm one of three managers that are tactical and uh, which is why they call it tactic. Um, and they're in their first year of kind of ramping up from what they were, which was a, a you know, sort of traditional RIA and bringing on advisors and, um, uh, and giving them a differentiated story to go with how good a planner they are. Because the problem yeah. is in this business, it is amazing. I mean, going back to, you know, 1986 starting in the world trade center and figuring out you know between now then and now what it means to differentiate yourself it is so much more difficult to differentiate yourself and i'll bet that that's what you talk to clients and prospects about all day long in your area of focus yeah absolutely i mean i don't know how much focus i don't really help advisors on the side the the differentiation side as far as, hey, this is what I can do with your portfolio. Look at these great 
numbers that I've pulled or whatever. Don't get me wrong. I've written. No, but the voice, the voice, you give, you give them a different voice, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. You got to give them a voice. Well, because a lot of the times the problem is that they sort of uh, underestimate the power of the voice in general um, mm -hmm. as sort of, we just reiterate these same words that have been tumbled around in the industry since forever um, about being independent and all of these things and fiduciary and um, all of these things that really don't matter that I mean, they matter, of course. Evidence-based investing, evidence-based investing, yeah. uh, modern portfolio theory, which is so modern that the study was from the 1980s. Yeah, and it, and it and it assumed that bonds were going to pay six or seven percent forever. And you know what? For the next 10 years, they might, except it'll have a negative sign in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> OK. And that, and by the way, I mean, that's, you know, I kind of stopped short of saying, but that, I mean, that's the bottom line. You go from avoid big loss. Well, how do you do that? You can't do it the traditional way. You can't just hope that the markets bail you out. The market is an inanimate object. Yeah. That's all it is. So. That's what 40 years of charting and market watching and tendency following and watching the evolution of it. And I would say that it's for the, again, for that type of advisor, okay? In one of your recent podcasts, it talked about uh, uh, sub-niching, right? Yeah. Okay, it's you and uh, Jason, I think. Um, so, you know, the, the, the sub-niche advisor, we're going for the sub-niche client, you don't want to show up and say, hey, I'm different. And because at some point, look, the retail investor, and this is what I learned from a year of figuring out, okay, what does a retail investor want? Uh, you know, I had the luxury of, you know, working as much or as little as I wanted to. And, uh, you know, so I, I really did a study. I said, you know what, I'm, I'm still young enough that I could do this for another 30 or 40 years, Okay. Uh, and so what am I going to do? And, uh, it's what I love doing, except I want to try to do it for the people, the, the, uh, younger, uh, smaller, upwardly mobile, uh, hungry advisor who says, look, I can get out there and hustle. I can connect with people. I'm not a sleazy salesperson. Um, you know, I am a fiduciary for sure, but, I'm not gonna. I know that if I'm just uh, uh, you know, a a good, competent, effective advisor, and I follow the fiduciary regs, uh, that this is not like 30 years ago when I was looking around to find an RIA firm, and there just weren't that many. Yeah, um, and you would just probably look locally or ask your friends, and I mean, there there weren't the kind. I mean, and maybe the options did exist, but they weren't at our fingertips. So it wasn't like you could just go work with somebody, you know, um, five, six states away as easily as you could now, for sure. Well, to, you, and, and to, your to options you, are expanded. that's right. Well, that, well, that's right. That's right. Uh, there's an old expression from uh, the Monty Python comedy group from England, who I'm guessing if you're under age 40, 45, you probably haven't heard them that much, but they were classic when I was around, uh, when I was growing up. So, uh, you know, to, to kind of borrow their phrase, you know, it used to be that if you found a financial advisor or a CFP, okay, I was one of the first CFSs, 
certified mm-hmm. fund specialist, okay? Which means I, I like to say to people, you know, most of the work I do is constructing portfolios using ETFs, but I don't mean like the normal ETFs. I classify ETFs into 150 asset classes, not three or 12 or whatever, okay? Yeah, it's way more And that comes from having researched mutual funds, ETFs, and actually managed three mutual funds in my career. So I've kind of been all around. But, you know, that Monty Python saying, okay, there was a time where where if you found a CFP or you found a plan, financial planning wealth management firm that wasn't a broker, uh, it was it was pretty a pretty rare find. You had to seek them out. Well, now, as they say, uh, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a financial planner. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> That's the that was the old Monty Python expression. You can't swing a dead cat. With that. So, uh, you know it, that's the problem. Is you know don't we? And and you know this as a writer. I know this as a writer. Okay, you know, uh, written for the Street and Market Watch and RA Biz and Forbes and and I'm actually currently, if people want to say like, well, what is he writing about now? Um, about a year ago, uh, I connected with U.S. News and World Report. Uh, which is a great journalistic out, outlet. I mean, so professional uh, and a great editorial uh, team there. And um, they said, uh, you know, we like it right. Let's figure out what you can write about. And I gave them a bunch of ideas and they came back and they said, we want you to basically be like our investment strategy writer on a regular basis, but aimed at financial advisors. So investment strategy for financial advisors. And that's what made me think, you know, this is really what I should be doing for the rest of my career, helping investment advisors, a certain type in terms of size and goals, et cetera. And, and frankly, it's not even about replacing them as investment manager because most of it I do behind the scenes. I'm kind of like a silent CIO. Okay. Um, and, but it's what I think is underappreciated. Okay, I, I think you know in a in a cluttered, undifferentiated social media soundbite driven world that we live in. Okay, people need effective communication, and Lord knows that you are darn good at that. Okay, no. which is why I contacted you a while back and said, "Wow, you know, we should get to know each other because I only have twenty years of content." Okay, but I don't I don't do it as a primary business, and and you know, and 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 I you know I really I really like the work. Um, that that you do. Um, so, but the other thing is, okay, it's not so much about like, oh, are you going to invest in something different? Well, yeah, I will, but that's not the point. It's a much bigger issue for the advisor. The issue, as I believe we've discussed in the past, uh, off, offline, is that the investment process, okay, and even before the investment process, okay, I think that the retail investor is getting smarter, okay? And okay. maybe not getting smart. I'm sorry? Yeah, that is, that's what I was going to Good. Let's go with this because this is something that was on my mind when you were talking about it earlier, taking your year to process everything. And this is sort of where I was going in my mind. So, Leah, let me know. Tell me your findings about the retail investor getting smarter. So, they're getting smarter, okay? But as usual, Big Wall Street is doing everything possible to miseducate them. They're trying to educate them, but they're doing it 
with sales and products and products and, and products and products and sales. There were, never this, there were never this many advertisements from big companies for financial planning and retirement planning. And none of these things were around, I feel like, when I was growing up. And maybe, just maybe it's because it wasn't on my radar, but I really believe even in the few years that I've been in this business that there's been an, an increase in the number of sales geared toward, you know, common American to get these sort of services from gigantic companies, and which here's my, know and, not provide the kind of service that we are accustomed yeah. to. Well, that's it. That's it. Uh, and, and again, as I, uh, I sort of teased as we were speaking before we got on, on here, but uh, we should have an announcement pretty soon uh, about a way that the, um, let's say they, the, the small but mighty uh, and growing um, uh, independent RIA can start to cobble together the pieces that they need uh, in order to to do this. Because yes. you know, I'm not. I don't think of myself as yes. My may, maybe my my uh, uh, and and I say this jokingly, but you know, they say, what's your superpower? Well, you know, my superpower is constructing portfolios with uh, you know ETFs and unique asset allocation that plays offense and defense so that you can avoid big loss and your clients don't scram because they're, you know, their accounts are down. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, by the way, on that, and then we'll get back to the other is, you know, if you're an advisor with uh, 30 million under management, okay. And whether you charge extra for the money management because you outsource it or you're doing it yourself, um, you know, market falls 37% like it did in 2008. And oh, by the way, it wasn't done because it fell for two months in 2009 also, okay? I know because I was managing a mutual fund for the first time and we started in August of 08 and the first seven months that I was a mutual fund manager, the market was down 55%. Wow. And I was down <laughs> 16. And I said, I will never let that happen again. And I'm happy to say that in you know main strategy, never even sniff that um, because that's life-changing. And with all the time, see, when I sold my practice, it was uh, 30 clients, 80 million, something like that. Okay. There's a lot of advisors who want to build toward a practice like that. And I thought, okay, how can I help? Them? And I, you know, I can help them with my experience. I can help them uh, telling them about what worked. Uh, but even more so, I can tell them about the 62,000 things that I did wrong and that I would do differently if I were in their shoes. But things are so undifferentiated now, getting back to what we're talking about, okay? Uh, you know, the, the investment process and having an investment philosophy and speaking making investment management and that process an asset to your firm, as opposed to let's do all the planning and then cross our fingers that the market is okay. Because there are periods of time where the market is not okay. And especially the bond market, if anything, I'm, I'm out to replace what bonds used to do for people. I mean, that's my, that's my number one goal. And that's kind of the, the incarnation of, of avoid big loss because People know they can lose money in the stock market. They don't know they can lose in the bond market. Uh, and they're about to find out, I think. So, you know, what does the retail investor 
thinking about uh, after a year of, of my really kind of studying their behavior. I think that yeah, they think they can do it themselves. A lot of them deep down probably know that that's gonna, they're going to have a run and that's it. Okay. You know, an NFL running back has an average uh, career span of like four years, if that. Uh, and, and so, and while they're doing it, they think they can do it forever, but they know in the back of their minds that eventually they're going to have to go and do something else. Well, there's a lot of arrogance in the, in the retail, uh, investment community and why not? I mean, you know, they, they struck gold, except it's not gold. It's, you know, it's, uh, called uh, crypto or it's called, uh, you know, a stock market that goes up relentlessly, even though there's cracks under the surface and it's five or six companies running it. But advisors need to be out in front of this story and they need to be able to educate retail investors because they like while you're having fun on the way up, you become invincible. OK. And, yeah. and the uh, the analogy that I sometimes use is like what's going to happen to a lot of retail investors unless smaller boutique I should stop saying small, okay? Because you're, it's small is 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 Relative, you know, yeah. is subjective, okay? You know, I, I was small when I sold my practice at, at at eighty million, but it didn't seem small because every one of those clients, you know, was was somebody that was like vital, uh, you know, and remains vital indirectly uh, to to uh, uh, you know to to sort of my being. Um, but if you don't start to explain to them that there's more to the investment process uh, and that you need to have a process, then it's like, you know, you're going to end up being that person that says, oh, I, you know, I had 20 beers at a party. It was that 21st that put me in the hospital. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. It was the 21st. Forget about the first 20. The first 20 didn't count at all. Yeah. But you know, like you build up bad habits. Okay. And investors, why do they build up bad habits? In a lot of cases, it's not the retail investor's fault. It's because they're being bludgeoned with all this salesmanship from big companies who at the end of the day really are trying to make their quarter. Yeah. They're trying to make their quarterly earnings and they're trying to increase the stock price for the shareholder. And I believe that because I spent the first 12 years of my career on Wall Street and I spent the last 20 some odd years trying to protect people from what I know about big time Wall Street. I'm sure I won't yeah. make any friends, you know, saying that, but I mean, it's been my experience. And so at this point, you know, whether it's the investment process or the broader, let's say, um, uh, I guess what, what comes with it when people work with us, when advisors work with us is they're not just getting a, you know, a model portfolio. They're getting, uh, I think, an education about, how do you develop your own investment process that you're comfortable with and explain to clients because you know that it's the right thing for them? Process, you know, so philosophy and process are very broad. And then after that, you get into the nuts and bolts and why this works and how do you customize it? In fact, um, in addition to the model portfolios that, that we provide to advisors, we uh, also are at the tail end of a two-year project that started when the practice sale was first getting going and continued after it was finalized. Um, we're uh, probably about a week away from our programmer finishing up. Uh, we, I wanted to take my entire investment process 
okay? Uh, which will remind some people of fantasy football, except it's more serious. Yeah. Uh, but you have positions on the field, like positions in the portfolio, and you have how, where, how many players are there to choose from and which one do you want in that position? Who's your quarterback this week? Who's your you know defense this week? Um, and uh, turning my whole process into something that could literally be put on the plate of a uh, – upperly mobile financial advisor, RIA, and say, hey, I don't need to do what this guy is saying, but he's given me the structure. He's given me the engine. And uh, so we kind of made a robotic version of what I've done for 35 years as an investment strategist. So we don't call it the robot, Olivia. We call it the robot. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, like it. I like it. Ross so, Ross. Yeah, no, but that's, that's, that's it. That's what advisors need to focus on right now. They need, they need to make invest the investment process and asset management and asset to their own practice, as opposed to just having it as sort of a residual, the planning process. And be more vocal about it with their prospects and their clients is what you're saying as well, too. So it's not just offering this behind the scenes, but also educating, you know, on the front end as to why it's an asset to their practice and how it makes them more attractive as an advisor. And, and you know what? I mean, would you agree that that in your business, uh, when you have a written communication, uh, timing isn't everything, but but there are times when it is everything? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that we saw that pretty clearly when, uh, I mean, any time that any, yes, of course. As anytime that something crazy happens in the market, it's it's going to be a very time sensitive situation. Well, and uh, I mean, if, if anybody looks at what I've been writing in US News for the past year, writing at sungardeninvestment.com, uh, I mean, look- And what I'm you're a, saying, I think, is that that's probably too late, that you need to get out in front of it. I, well, 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 you know what? There's a lot of people walking around right now, okay? You talk about the retail investors. Retail investors walking around saying, ah, eh, whatever, buy the dips. Okay, or or as they say on the Wall Street trading desks, uh, uh, you know BTFD, uh, and we'll leave it. We'll leave it <laughs> at that. There's a problem right now because um, there is a lot of greed and not enough fear. But there doesn't have to be fear if your process accounts for just about anything that can happen. Okay. And the advisor has to be the messenger of that. And they, you know, you tell people you're a fiduciary. I mean, look, I, I, I lived it. Okay. Why did my practice grow from 40 million to 80 million in a decade instead of from 40 million to 800 million? Well, A, I'm not really a salesman. Okay. Yeah. I talk a lot, but I'm not, but I'm, you know, I feel like I'm talking about substance. Uh, and because I was so focused on the investment process and not just honing it, but every time a, a new market environment came along, I mean, look how much the markets have evolved. Five years ago, did we talk about algorithmic trading? You know, we talked about hedge funds, but now they're very different. And of course, the rise of the retail investor, these all affect how markets work. And that alone is probably the subject of a, um, um, uh, whether it's a webinar or, or an in-person client event, uh, you know, for most advisors, it's just not what people are, are, are thinking of. They just think that, that 
again, they're not thinking of sort of what's coming up behind them. And even if it doesn't happen, and even if we go the next 10 years and the markets are an exact repeat of the last 10, and stocks are fine and bonds are fine, I don't know how bonds are going to be fine from these rate levels and going up, but let's assume they are. The next 10 years are just more bliss for the markets. Great. But risk, it is risk still exists, whether it actually happens yeah, or not. Going to fruition at the moment or not. Well, the, well that's it. That's it. And 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 by the way, look, I mean, you know, the, the just markets are different. I mean, as we sit here today, you know, in uh, recording this in mid-February 2022, uh, <laughs> you know, the NASDAQ, I mean, might as well call it NASCRAC because, you know, <laughs> under the surface, it's, it's uh, well, I, I did. I did title. Uh, I did title uh, something in my newsletter on that. So it's not. I like it. I like not, it. It's not original material. Yeah, I've got a million of them. Um, uh, which is why we get along because uh, we uh, we we both feel like you can take the written word and you can turn it into just a little bit of magic. Yeah. And uh, and I also feel like advisors can do that with the investment process. So. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it's interesting, of course, because it's not something, like I said, that we, that I focus on a lot with the clients, but um, certainly it's um, worth looking into if that's something that they can actually say, yes, my investment management process is an asset. Here's why. Um, and that's, and that's then, truly what, I mean, that's what Sun Garden is about. I mean, that's, that's what I decided to do after selling the practice, thinking about it, tooling around with a few different things, studying the retail market, studying the advisor market and saying, what an opportunity to help these folks. And, and let me just say one thing, you know, before time runs out on this conversation, okay? Um, have I said to you, what is the biggest uh, problem with the industry right now. There is way, 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 way too much testosterone. Okay. okay. And, and, uh, and I don't mean in like a gym advisor supplement. Uh, I mean, a gym, uh, uh, you know, weightlifting supplement, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, sense. Okay. I mean that. Okay. Women, you know, are smarter than men. Okay. Uh, and, and, uh, there is so much, uh, diversity that should be happening in this industry. And I'm really kind of hoping that I can be on the leading edge of that as well. Uh, you know, nothing against, you know, 57 year old guys from Jersey. Okay. Uh, like myself, uh, but, uh, you know, I think that the the industry uh, has a ways to go. I see it starting to accelerate, and I'm kind of hoping I can do my little part to give it a push. And that comes by from you know, you want to equal the playing field. I feel like more than anything, given everything I've been through as an advisor and as a strategist, and been through all different parts of it, and being what I call an investment lifer, uh, that that's where I can really help. That certain type of advisor, the same type that you work with, uh, to, to get on the map uh, so that all the things that they do that sound like what everybody else does, but they do it especially well and they are that caring, that's the underbelly. 
you have to first get their attention. And to get their attention, there has to be something different about what you're saying, or they're going to, what is it, swipe left? I'm way too old. Yeah, they scroll swipe. by, scroll right, on. Right, right, exactly. Swipe left instead of swipe scroll right. Scroll by. <laughs> Uh, you don't want to see me dance. Uh, and that's what <laughs> Olivia was just doing for those of you who are podcasting this. By the way, before we we, we finish, okay, because I know at some point that proverbial hook's going to come out and 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 take me, you know, off the stage. Oh my god! Um, yeah. But but uh, <laughs> that would be my that would be my belly telling me it's time to eat. No. <laughs> uh, um. So uh, uh, you know, the I asked you before. Do you know why Sun Garden? No, no, I don't know why. Okay, so uh, what is the nickname of the state you and I both currently reside in, Florida? Oh, okay, so it's Florida and New Jersey. Yeah. yeah. Okay, the, the garden sunshine state. state and the garden state, because I, I, I want whatever we were doing at the time. It was yeah, you know, we we was an advisory firm. I was oh, by the way, the entire time I was an advisor with my own firm which was 2012 until where a year ago, um, Sun Garden, which then was Sun Garden Investment uh, uh, Management. Uh, that firm, we also had advisors that we did consulting to. I was like sort of outsource CIO or just provide research or pick my brain, whatever. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I went from the Garden State, New Jersey to the Sun Garden State here and um, uh, so, you know, as we look forward, uh, I think one of the things you were curious about and trying to figure out because I went through a year of sort of discovery was, okay, well, what the heck is Sun Garden today? Okay. Well, Sun Garden is focused on the financial advisor uh, and in three forms, uh, uh, you know, model strategies. Uh, secondly, uh, there is this engine or the robot that I kind of affectionately called before where we basically put it in their hands and we teach them how they can run their own portfolios. What better way to be front and center with your clients, but have a lot of protection because you got my experience sort of behind it, okay, yeah. to, to, you know, to, uh, uh, to help you. And um, uh, because uh, economically, the two things that can really screw up an advisor uh, are, bad markets that bring down their their uh, uh, asset-based fees. Mm -hmm. If you're an advisor with 30 million under management and you're charging the proverbial 1% and you only lose 20% and a down 40, well, great, but that's $60,000 out of your pocket, okay? Yeah. You might've just gotten rid of some of your support staff, okay? Or you might've cut back your own lifestyle. I never, had to deal with that as an advisor because I had an ABL strategy. I didn't probably didn't make the most. I mean, I certainly didn't, you know, in the bull markets, but um, you know, with, with clients, it's amazing how everybody becomes a conservative investor on the risk scale. Well, yeah, okay. I was going to say, the markets of freak out. Risk, though, regardless if you, you know, didn't, you were doing 80 million instead of 800 million or whatever, you didn't have to go on this ride every time something Never. happened. You were more, Oh, never, left. never had a quarter where my wife and I had to say, hmm, you know, we have to adjust to a different sort of level of compensation. It's all about, key, you know, 
the, it's funny, I talk about ABL, avoid big loss. That is the first rule. The second rule is make as much as you freaking can, okay? But the third rule is that ABL is more important than anything else. Why? Because deep down, even if they don't tell you to your face, advisors, the client is going to end up that way. Everybody goes, everybody who says there are seven on, uh, out of 10 on the risk scale where 10 is aggressive, okay? Until that, yeah. Everybody wants to be a one or a two or a three or a zero. Imagine if you actually had an approach to investing that not only acknowledged that, but executed that. That's that, you know, any, that any, anybody. Was that? I said, that comes back to that happiness and that comfort, not only for the client, but also for the advisor. I mean, I know you were talking about it in terms yeah. of the advisor. They want to be happy and comfortable and all of these things in terms of their practice. But you're saying that's the way to achieve it is by giving it to your client. Yeah. And Look, the, with the ABL. And, and you know what? In, in geeky advisor terms, okay, everybody's chasing beta. Uh, I, I can't believe the use of levered ETFs. I can't believe the... Uh, amount of volume in speculative issues, okay, SPACs, et cetera. By the way, I'm not saying that those do, that everything potentially has a place in your portfolio. I'm a I'm a I'm an equal opportunity technician. If it has a good chart pattern and I understand what it is enough, okay, and I'm a tactical manager, so very often I'm owning things for weeks or months, hoping for years, okay, but not in this environment. Um, you know, it's buy and hope, not buy and hold. Um, you know, so it, it, the you 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 need to have a more dynamic and flexible approach to doing this. And frankly, I mean, ETFs have taken the world by storm. But most retail investors this is the other thing we found out. They maybe could name five ETFs. You know, oh, SPY, Qs, you know, a couple others, all right? And probably the levered ones too. ETFs are a way to take this whole puzzle piece, this whole, this whole roster, okay? We actually have something called a depth chart, okay? You have a roster and you have a depth chart because it's a, there's the, the players on the field right now, there's the players that are on the bench and there's the players that are in your system, but they're not at the point where they could be, even be on the bench or in the starting lineup. Um, you know, and then everything else is sort of out in the field. Well, you know, forget about the mechanics of what I do, just explaining that to a client. That was, if there was any magic to what I did during my advisory days, it was that when I sat in front of a prospective client, they came away from that meeting knowing that they could have confidence because there was a process behind it. And I didn't just pull something out from some big firm talking about how it's uh, time in the market, not timing the market. It's uh, how many do you can't miss the best days and you know whatever, all this stuff and the old markets eventually recover, okay? What I learned about retail investors more than anything else, Olivia, is that they will not stand for that anymore. Attention spans, you think they're short when it comes to, to what they read? Okay. Yeah. Imagine to what their attention span when when you're telling them, hey, just hang in there. But I just got my statement and it used to say 400 and now it says 340. Uh, put me in cash. Okay, now you got a million dollar account. Can we agree that unless you take money out of the account, 
you are, we cannot see an eight at the beginning of that. You got a million, you can't see an eight. Can't be eight, nine, 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 okay? Uh, in other words, we've got to set a sort of mental and, and actual barrier at 10%, because for a lot of people, that's what it was. We never came close to the 10%, because I knew that if we came close to the 10%, okay, I, you know, I was not doing my job. But very few advisors think this way, especially if they're planners and not professional investors. So, so this little gap, I think that that we can fill uh, is, and by the way, just spitballing here, as they say, okay, you know, the way you write, and the way I communicate this knowledge and experience, you know, who's to say that that there, you know, there isn't a way to collaborate and uh, and make a difference for for folks because yeah. it, again, it's not just writing and frequency. I know that, but I mean, I'm coming up on two million page views uh, on Forbes.com. Okay, and uh, I can't tell you that it's moved the needle one bit in my career. It's been great, wonderful experience. I know that people recognize me more, but can I point to revenue and say that came from, yes, in a couple of cases, but that, that's not it. But people who are in the local area, et cetera, et cetera, they have that advantage. I've been national for a long time, okay? So, you know, it's more than just getting the word out and social media and, and frequency. Um, you have to have something that truly differentiates you. And after 40 years of falling, uh, interest rates and 13 years of generally rising stock prices, the number one thing that will differentiate an advisor so that they can get to all the good stuff they want to get to is having an investment philosophy, investment process, investment strategy, implementation, and clearly explaining to clients along the way, because the markets tell a story, we just have to listen. Yeah, I get really tired of writing those uh uh, I can't tell you how many times time in the market, miss the best days, your portfolio will be down by this, but don't put your money in cash, don't panic, stay calm, all of these things, which I think is good advice. But you at the same time, obviously, I mean, if you're not doing, if you as an advisor aren't doing anything in those moments, I mean, you know that you're not doing your job. Um, and it will translate into your client relationships at some point or another. So I like the idea of getting out in front of it and clear, obviously like spinning the new narrative, which is, Hey, you know, I am doing stuff uh, for you and here's what it looks like. And this is what our goals are now in this environment, rather than just, Hey, we made a plan a long time ago and it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> I mean, well, and, and look, I mean, uh, <laughs> It won't be for today, but we could have a whole other conversation on or off air uh, about how this is particularly an issue for the folks who probably hold the vast amount of investment wealth in this country, and that is the baby boomers. And I was born at the tail end the last year of the baby boom. And I can tell you that folks that are between, uh, well, this year, 58 and 76 years old, okay, they cannot afford a no. big drop, okay? No. 20 years ago, big deal. They were still working and all that stuff, okay? Uh, and, and, and I still believe that, that you know, they say the millennial generation very um, 
you know, they're, they're willing to take more risk, you know, because they're still climbing the mountain. And I say, you know, if you're 90% to more than 100% of the way toward having all the money that you'll need to retire, uh, or you are retired, uh, well, then, yeah, you really need to, to have an investment process that isn't based on old rules. Uh, you, know, you need a modern investment approach, and that has nothing to do with modern portfolio theory. Yeah. In fact, it's almost <laughs> anti. But then you take somebody that's 20, 30% of the way toward what they need, they will tell you that, yeah, whatever, I could just start over again, Okay. I'll believe that when I see it after the next market crunch, because remember, some of us have lived through periods of 12 to 13 years where the return of the S&P 500 was, drum roll please, zero. Zero. Yeah. And those weren't even the worst times. So it may not happen, but wouldn't you rather be prepared if it did? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I think that the, the difference there is pretty clear. So I like this. I mean, I love, we've talked about it before, so I'm glad that we finally got to share it here on Get Advisor Fit. Um, Rob is really, like I said, very interesting story. I even learned things today that I didn't know um, from our industry veteran here, our Wall Street vigilante, saving the, co the common man, <laughs> the greed of Wall Street. Um, Wait, I, an old client did once call me a... a he, he heard my approach to investing. It was many years ago, and he looks across the table at me. And he says, you're like some sort of crusader or something. Yeah, that's what I thought too. You know what? Guilty as charged. But I love it. I mean, that just shows that you actually care about, I mean, that and your whole approach shows that you actually care about more about helping the people, helping people than just making a whole bunch of money. Well, thank but you, my friend. And you know what? They, well, you know what they say, okay? You can take the... Uh, the boy out of the fiduciary world, but you can't take the fiduciary out of the boy. And I well, am that boy. You are the shining example of, of that saying, which, uh, I mean, if there's anybody who exemplifies that, it's definitely you. So well, I really appreciate you sharing this with all, all of this with us today. If you want to get more information on Rob, you can check him out. Like he said, in Forbes, U.S. News and World, Market Watch, The Street. Um, he's been published all over the place. He really has some great insight. And to boot, his articles are actually interesting. Uh, great anecdotes. <laughs> Thank you. Use those stories. It's not just a bunch of dry investment stuff. So um, advisors, take note because uh, Rob's doing it right in a lot of areas. Um, he's great at what he does. And he's great at this new venture, too. He's got a couple more things up his sleeve that are top secret. I barely even know about them. So they'll you'll want, all, they'll, you'll want to they will all be shown. They will all be shown at sungardeninvestment.com. And you know, Rob at sungardeninvestment.com is my email. Uh, love taking questions and just kind of mixing it up with folks in the industry because uh, you know, this is like I said, I'm a I'm a lifer with this. And that didn't change when I sold the practice. Yeah, I know, I know. That's what I love too, how you've sort of pivoted and transitioned everything. Um, because I know that's a concern for a lot of advisors who maybe want to retire from their practice, but don't necessarily want to get out of the wobby, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, so, um, it's always interesting for, I think for, for us to share these kinds of experiences that we have with people just like retirement, you just part of the retirement planning. What am I going to do, you know, with all my time? <laughs> so thank you again, Rob. Thank um, you. 
for joining me. I'm sure that we'll have another session because we have so much to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, Rob at SunGardenInvestmentManagement.com. Uh, no, Rob at SunGardenInvestment.com. Rob at SunGardenInvestment.com. Also on LinkedIn. Uh, I don't know if that's true. What are, what are your social media? Oh, yeah, I'm all over LinkedIn. And it's just Rob Isbitz, I-S-B-I-T-T-S. -T -T uh, if you Google me, you'll find me. Yes, that's correct. If you Google him, you will find him. I'll also provide the links to his site in the show caption. So scroll down wherever you are, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you are, and you'll find it. Um, thank you so much. This is Olivia Looper reminding you to lift heavy, invest often, and market your ass off. Take care. Thanks for listening to Get Advisor Fit with Olivia Looper. To learn more about Olivia and how her firm, Lexicon Content Development, can help you, visit LexiconContentDevelopment.com. If you want to reach out to Olivia on LinkedIn, you can find her at Olivia Looper Lexicon. And if you'd like to follow Olivia on Instagram, you can find her at Lexicon Content Development. Till next time.